Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, and now I'm living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex Schur. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Schur. I am from the Northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing with a cup of tea in my hand right now. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. If you come to Beijing, sorry, when you come to Beijing, ladies and gentlemen, you need to look up Alex Schur because she is a stand-up comedian who does shows, I think, weekly, right? Pretty often. Not that often. It's like monthly. It's monthly. You got to catch one of her shows if you have the ability to do so. She's really funny. Thank you for the recommendation. Today, we're going to talk about something that's not very funny. Shortage of water. So breaking down, uh, is there a water crisis in the United States? Is there a water crisis globally? If there is, what is the shape of that crisis? So this is not something I am an expert at, but I have so much information in front of me to talk about. You know, I'm from California, and uh, California is known for a few things, and two of which are fires. So, like, you know, every year there's like, oh, my (laughs) gosh, California's on fire. And, like, all these, like, wooden homes and dry areas of the state burn up, and people are like, I can't believe we didn't see this coming. You know, (laughs) yeah, this is something. When I was a little kid, I remember watching the fires every year on TV. As a Californian, like, I'm never surprised. It's I think we could just call it fire season because like as, as tragic as it is that people lose their homes and stuff like this is not new. California every year around the same time at the end of the summer. Wildfires. Like, these fires that rage across the state causing billions, if not tens mm-hmm. of billions of dollars in damages to people's homes and property. And it should be obvious that this is a recurring thing. Another thing that California is known for, and these two things are possibly related, is drought like you know at least during the last 10 years and you know at different periods in time california undergoes periodic droughts and so a lot of people debate in california why are there these massive droughts and so some people in the 2016 water crisis in california blamed almonds so it's interesting i I, go ahead ahead. that was a a question coming question mark coming from my almonds are high intensity water and a lot of water that okay. gets diverted goes to almond growing and so i looked it up and uh according to university of california irvine so i wanted to get some a legitimate academic source instead of a media source uh-huh. they said that it's it produces 5.8 billion dollars and this is 2013 so probably more by now mm. in in revenue which is 157 dollars per person uh in california or at least in 2013 again uh growing almonds so uh it does seem like a lot of water gets diverted but it also produces a lot of money for the economy it's one of the second most valuable crops after i guess milk so uh california produces an enormous amount of milk and it produces an enormous amount of almonds and so yes water gets diverted to grow almonds and they are very water intensive to grow but the effect on the economy is positive i mean i'm not actually i'm not coming down on one side or the other i'm just 
yeah. trying to lay out the context. I, 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 I felt like you said 2016, right? Yeah. I felt like I sort of witnessed this whole, you know, this is going to make me sound unpopular, this unpopular opinion, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were criticizing, you know, when um, this whole anti-animal cruelty movement was at its heat at its peak Mm. in the u.s and Mm. you were like i don't want to drink milk because it's coming from uh you know it's coming from an animal and granted Mm. of course it's 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 there's a lot of things to be discussed and argued even uh of of human consuming an excessive amount of milk but a lot of people instead of just saying like okay we're not going to do it for some reason almond milk became a thing for a good couple of years (laughs) in the united states oh yeah yeah yeah. there's so many people drinking like and then they take so much pride in drinking almond milk but they like actually the nutrients not nutrients or protein or whatever you get from that is a very small amount so hearing you saying that it's you know growing almonds is a very like water intensive uh it's it's a very water intensive crop to keep and the fact that the yield of the almond it takes even more water to make it into a jar of almond milk compared to mm-hmm. how much water it would need or or if there's any water at all to make a jar of milk. So it's using, I don't know, triple, quadruple the time of water to make the, just the same jar of almond. Mm. Interesting. Putting things yeah, together. You know, yeah, that is interesting. You know, I, in preparation for this, I actually was really surprised. I, I thought the, there was going to be this massive drought that I found in the United States and it was going to be a doomsday scenario because every time we choose a new topic to explore together, that's what I end up finding out that there's a huge crisis of, you know, (laughs) financial crisis, or there's a huge crisis of, uh, you know, homelessness or whatever, but you know, that's not actually what I found. And so I want to, you know, give, uh, some context. Apparently the, uh, great Lakes system Mm. holds like something like six quad, quadrillion gallons of water, fresh water, relatively drinkable that only needs uh, some minor processing in order to make it out of the faucet and be be drinkable. I know that sounds really crazy because Michigan's right there and they have the, the Flint water crisis. Yeah. The problem with the United States is not a problem of having clean water uh, as much as it is the distribution of water. So there's plenty of freshwater sources in the United States that could be made available to produce food and to help people and I guess even to wash your car, maybe. Yeah. But the big problem is not that there's not enough fresh water. The big problem for the United States is that the pipes, in some cases, are from like the 1950s. And so you have like really disgusting water coming out of faucets because of really disgusting water distribution systems that are old where pipes are rotten and holes there are holes in them where the metal's decaying and going into the water and in some cases you have fracking that is contributing to to water pollution and stuff like that yeah the united states in total if all the water distribution networks were good and the water could be distributed from one area to another i know the united states is super massive there would be enough water for all of the needs that the the country has you know i've mentioned the uh, california high-speed rail project a lot of times because i want to emphasize the lack of will to political will and capability maybe to do any of these big projects because when i was in high school which was decades ago, (laughs) 
you know, this is like a, a 26 years, seven years ago. Wow. Um, something like that. I'm not exactly sure the number. I wrote a paper in my senior year about, wow, the high speed rail project that's going to connect California and San Francisco and Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And I, I wrote this big report about it and I did all this research and it has been 26, seven years and they still haven't even gotten like 10% of it off the ground and it's cost tens of billions of dollars yeah. more than anyone could have ever, ever fathomed. And now they're thinking it might not be done until 2030 or 2035 if it ever gets done. And this is the problem. This is the problem. It's not that there's not enough water. The problem is that the United States can't make anything anymore, like anything big like this that needs, you know, a lot of partners across states and different. It just can't distribute the water because there's a lack of of will, political and otherwise, to get anything finished. Uh, do you know what the North South Water Program project is in, in, in China? Course. Could you t- could you tell our uh, listeners a little bit about that project? Uh, so that's a huge, it's basically very easy to understand from the way we call it. It's called a, you know, the easier way to say it is we move the water from the south and, and send it up to the north. So there's a huge piping mm. project uh, that was underway and it was able to solve the whatever water sh- uh, water shortage that we had up in the north because the mm. the south actually suffers from you know floods of course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and too much water too yeah. much water and we take the excessive uh, amount and move it up north but also we know that flooding is part of the natural mm-hmm. um, cycle of the climate down south so it's not to a point where it's like we're exhausting all of the flat water mm-hmm. from the south to the north and it's a, a huge project i remember when i was um little when i was younger when the project first started as this idea came from like many, many years ago of saying that, you know, we should maybe do something to balance it out. And then I remember when I was in primary school going into, uh, uh, what do you call that? Chujong, which is like, you know, grade uh, seven, seventh grade to ninth grade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember it was talked about a lot because that's when it first mm-hmm. started, like around 2002, 2003. And a lot of people were working on it and it, it, it was realized. It's kind of crazy mm-hmm. to see the beginning of something and then within a couple of years it was you know it, it's done it's, it's done <laughs> this is what i'm talking about i you know as an american in china as you know it's i always look at these amazing projects that china takes on like oh let's build you know a national high-speed rail infrastructure which is probably the thing china is most well known internationally for succeeding at like there's just this amazing infrastructure and you know like 10 15 years ago it did not exist and now it's exactly the biggest high-speed rail network in the world actually <laughs> no other country all the other countries if you combine their high-speed rail rail projects together it's not even you know a percent it's just a fraction of what china has and china just built it over night and it's like oh here we go it's nice look at this and you can you can sit on it and go 300 kilometers an hour and stand a coin up in the window and it's smooth and you can barely tell that you even started moving from one station to another yeah it's it's amazing and this water project that uh diverts water from you know these place places where they have way excessive amounts of water and to areas where they need the water this is the kind of thing that the united states needs but you know it so i don't want to 
undermine what we started with. You're talking about almonds. Yeah. We're talking about almonds and we're talking about the high intensity amount of water that it requires to make almonds and then convert that <laughs> even more water to make almond milk. I'm not sure yeah. what that means. Where are the udders on an almond? I don't know. <laughs> but this is taking an enormous amount of water and we can't just stop being concerned about that because the reality is the United States is not likely to build a huge you know, North American water infrastructure project to divert water from... <laughs> It'll be met with so many pushbacks from from the states. Oh, oh my, my God. gosh. If they succeeded, it would take a century <laughs> to move oh. the water from where it is. It, they have lots of it to where it's needed. And that is the problem. You know what took a century actually took a century to happen in the United States? Hmm. This is funny because I was reporting for that for a Chinese media back then. And I was like, this is insane. In New York, in Manhattan, there's the Q line that goes from Upper West Side or Upper East. It goes up to Columbia University, right? Mm -hmm. And it goes down, it goes to Queens. In in 2016 or 17, and the memory's a little blurred, They there was this huge thing, you know, people are like, all of the media went there and they, they made it a huge like art, arty place, space, whatever, for the New York MTA system, a Q line to extend six more stops up to, I think, can't remember which mm. street it goes up to like 180 street or something it's six more stops and when they first mm, decided mm. to build this six more stops to extend the queue line it was the 1920s or something it it legit took them <laughs> oh. uh, almost a hundred years a century to finish those six stops wow That reminds me of something in where I'm from, uh, San Francisco area, Bay Area Rapid Transit, BART. And it's like, the, <laughs> I guess, yeah. the subway kind of equivalent for the for the Bay Area in, mm -hmm. in San Francisco area. And they have this big plaque on the wall everywhere, you know, and they're always talking about like the, the, these little dotted lines where the, the future lines uh -huh. will go. And from when I lived there to the last time I visited, the same dots that are still there and almost nothing has happened. They have added one or two more stops, but like it, you can't tell. You, you <laughs> Only the people where that station opened know, oh my gosh, there's a station. But other than that, one or two stations that have been built in the last like 20 years, nothing's happened. I'm seeing yeah. montage of Jason walking by that map in different clothes, looking different throughout the years. <laughs> <laughs> Jason to now, I'm not saying you're old now, but you know, um, young to well, Jason now, and it's still the same thing. I'm trying to, you're trying to cross it off, and you never can. I'm glad it's a picture because if you could smell me, you would. What? I'm glad if you could smell you, me, you would smell the patchouli, the patchouli oil from 20 years ago, and you would be like, "What is this?" Because <laughs> I used to, I used to pretend I was something of a, um, I guess, hippie-ish kind of person. So, uh, oh wow. You know. I am Patchouli very oil. intrigued. Yeah. Must very must. I am very intrigued in seeing some visuals. Things have changed. <laughs> now I like now I like to wear a tie, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, so I want to go back to the water <laughs> issue, yes. not just infrastructure. So, like, obviously, you know, infrastructure is the problem. Now, if we talk about infrastructure really quick as it relates to water, a lot of the money that was just passed recently by the government. Um, is meant to go towards repairing mm -hmm. some of the water infrastructure. Now, what's really interesting is they're not 
taking on massive projects like what we're talking about would that would be necessary to yeah. to stave off these issues what they're talking about is mostly repairing and you know uh, supplementing existing infrastructure to ensure that some of the the breakdown in the system mm. is kind of you know patched so it's patched up a little bit yeah. you know and this is uh, i think more than you know some of the money that's going so it's a trillion dollar bill and it's just like maybe tens or hundreds of billions going towards water so this is they're not even close to the kind of investment that is necessary for the problems that are coming their way in the coming years and decades because nasa predicts there's going to be a super massive drought over the western united states that's going to get worse because of global climate change moving towards 2050 so i mean the united states is not does not the political will to start moving water around in the ways that are necessary some places are going to become like unlivable but also like there's going to be huge battles political battles between and there already are so like nevada and california they they fight over who can have water Mm. Uh, a lot of southern california and nevada they they have a you know who can have the water and there's constantly back and forth about diverting different rivers and this is just in one part of the country but it's only going to get worse so you know um, because we started with uh, the sh- water shortage in California. And I'm just like, I can't the whole time. My mind is going to that movie. Um, I don't know if you, you've watched Chinatown. Right? I think everybody watched yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. Chinatown. In, in, from Jack and I, when I was in school, yeah, I, when I was in school, when I was in grad school, studying film and stuff. And of course I've been to California and it's by the sea. It's a, it's a co- coastal state. So like when I was watching a movie mm. and they were like, we're having a great, water shortage i was like ah, uh, okay and then i was like okay it's fresh water it's not seawater yes it makes sense you know because mm. of climate they have like you know water shortage and then the professor was like really pay attention to all of the moments where people are pointing when the filmmaker is pointing to water as the clue or as the message they want to send and then they're like oh yeah water 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 like that movie is actually centered around water because at the end of course you see because they're letting fresh water go exactly for the reason you're saying it's so it's you know it's it's so political oriented a lot of it and then this is 1974 i i i don't know what's uh you know if there's more stuff like that happening right now where freshwater resources being wasted or mm-hmm. or or stocked up for political reasons for some people on some parts is, is yes some people would say that the water is being diverted unfairly to like projects like almonds and similar <laughs> projects but not everyone agrees so again it's one of those debatable things yeah but i just i just can't stop like thinking about <laughs> that movie and it's, I, I barely remember he's a detective and they get shot or something i like it's been a long time since i saw them a politician gets shot and this politician runs like the i can't remember the department name exactly but it's like the water the water resource whatever department and he thought he was um uh, investigating the death of this politician at the request of his wife because there's a you know adultery but at the end it was actually hmm. because of a political you know political act and uh, you remember the scene when he uh, broke into the reservoir or something and when the whole state was yeah going i through, remember this right and then he was flushed down by the the the, the water fresh water that was being you know sneaked let go into the ocean or into whatever water body that was in the middle of the night when nobody was watching so stealing that was that was the whole thing (laughs) exactly water thieves yeah water thieves well i think that you know yeah that that does (laughs) that's interesting because california is one of those hot places about like 
where water's going in Nevada and other places, you know, it's increasingly a big problem, especially without the lack of infrastructure to move it around. But Mm -hmm. in addition to that, um, according to Harvard, so I wanted to back it up. I was talking about NASA before. I wanted to make sure I give some real data here. Harvard.edu, 2019, March 20th, future widespread water shortage likely in the U.S. And this article Mm. says that, you know, there's going to, there are going to be water shortages and uh, a lot, that's not just going to affect people's ability to drink water and wash their car. So what people I think need to understand is that 75% of annual consumption of water is going into agriculture. Yeah. So it's a food. It's going to create food shortages on top of water shortages. So the other, so, okay, what's often talked about like Saudi Arabia, Israel, some other places around the world, they're developing desalination technology. So that means taking ocean water, Mm. like you were mentioning, and bringing it in and it goes, they pressurize the water and push it through a series of filters. Yeah. And then on the other side of these filters, they were able to get, uh, you know, drinkable potable water which is called potable water Mm. and then you're able to pump that into agriculture or people so people can drink that and there are other technologies uh there was a big drought in south africa where they use these they use these huge plastic sheets yeah water accumulates on the sheets and then they can run it through from some simple filters and deal with it because they had some very serious uh water shortages which are mostly uh behind them now Mm. so there are different technologies like this but the problem is none of them can be scaled up in the way that people think so desalination technology has a few problems okay. that most people are unaware of one of those is it's extremely energy intensive so without solving the energy crisis it creates like, another you yeah you're going to be depleting massive amounts of energy from the energy grid to try to create more fresh water out of seawater number two <laughs> you have to dump this extremely salt heavy water that is a byproduct of the filtration system back into the ocean which is so incredibly salt heavy that it wipes life out so wherever you're dumping this water back into the ocean you're essentially killing the ecosystem around the area off so you can't just pump water out of the ocean and be like oh everything's glorious you know we have lots of solar panels that doesn't it's not gonna uh, work very effectively and uh, robbing peter to pay paul right right yeah so yeah yeah, you have all these uh, other problems we need to be conserving water uh is i think the takeaway we need to be making sure the global warming is taken care of we need to make sure that we're not adding co2 to the environment and that we are conserving the environment as it is you know before human intervention because the realities of our our tech work we're not able to so just simply turn everything around and technologically deal with everything in some sort of magical way you know yeah and everyone loves their cell phones and they make (laughs) us feel so smart but like this is a much bigger problem i think yeah there's just a lot of things i mean nowadays when people are like oh there's a problem whether it's a nature you know whether it's a problem because of that's how nature is or it's because of like Mm. you know Mm excessive of human activities people are just like oh let's just do this to fix it mm. i was just like there's no there's really no quick fix that's going to work as you wish them to be with no consequences yeah. that are going to when it was really interesting china and india are both working on a new project i think is really cool because i like solar panels because uh, it makes me feel less guilty when i use my phone but also you know california <laughs> did you, you see that they released all these black rubber balls into what some of their reservoirs did you see that oh i think i saw yeah. that i saw that yes so the, it was quite a visual yeah, so the idea of this is to deflect the light 
light of the sun so that the water doesn't evaporate as fast to prevent future <laughs> droughts. I don't know if that's effective or not. I'm sure scientists look at it. And yeah. Like, there probably is something there. But you know, what's really interesting is that India and China are starting to do is they're putting solar panels over some of their irrigation networks. Mm. So as the water is moving through these irrigation networks, there's no reason not to use that space to have solar panels. So they're actually installing solar panels over the top of the uh, irrigation networks so you can absorb the sun and simultaneously prevent the water from evaporating to such a greater extent. So this is a kind of technology that That's, yeah. I think is like, wow, we should just do this everywhere. We, we can prevent like our clean water from evaporating at the same time getting energy for Jason's Use. cell phone. Yep. Then Jason's going to be <laughs> <laughs> Make sure Jason's always have uh, jason always has access to his twitter <laughs> <laughs> yeah something like that well i mean wechat too is lovely too I talk a lot about uh, the United States in, in at the beginning of this episode because I'm from the United States and I think a lot of our listeners are there. Mm-hmm. But this is not, a, like we said, this is not, water crisis is not affecting the United States as bad as it's affecting a lot of other places around the world. And if the United States had the political will, they would be able to solve a lot of their problems more capably. They just need to get behind some of the like maybe distribution systems mm-hmm. that would be requisite for solving that problem. But I want to talk about Senegal for a moment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so China recently donated water systems to Senegal. Senegal obviously participated in the construction of some of these water systems, but thanks to the hard work of people, uh, you know, Chinese partners and Senegalese workers and expert scientists from both sides, they have set up um, new water systems in 12 out of 14 regions of the country. Wow. So this yeah, that, so this water actually positively impacts rural areas primarily. So one-seventh of the population of Senegal is benefiting from the China International Development Cooperation Agency's work on wells, water towers, and pipes with distri- modern distribution facilities. So, you know, we talk about um, water scarcity. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there are... I don't feel like there are millions of of Americans uh, who lack water, but there are millions of people around the world, uh, you know, in different places that are, do not have access to fresh to, water to, to fresh water. And th- I think we need to, before we can l- look at some of the wealthiest nations in the world, we need to start dealing with the, the access to water that some of the poorest nations mm. around the world have. And I just wanted to thank the CIDCA, the China C- CIDCA for uh, helping with what, makes me happier because you know honestly i i i'm i'm not joking it's not just my cell phone that's one thing but i don't feel comfortable living in comfort knowing that other people are not mm. i don't i know that some people don't feel that way mm. but when i wake up and and i i know there is like a economic or you know water injustice somewhere in the world it makes me feel guilty i guess or bad that there are still people suffering like how there's a there's in a similar phrase i can't enjoy my freedom unless i know other people are like whatever you know not in chains something like that <laughs> i feel the same yeah. way like until all of us have access to clean water food education that kind of thing things that all of us should have access to i don't feel like any of us should just be like okay video game time for the you know seven millionth hour or something like i don't mind playing video games but i think 
we do need to reflect on like our impact. I guess this is more of your generation's thing. I, 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 than my, I might than be mine, a little. Because your generation seems a lot more uh, attuned yeah. to the global needs. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and you know, for, for, for our generation, we have an easier access to everything that's happening in the world. And I like to think, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to stop myself from eating hot pot. Because I know that people are, you know, starving somewhere else in the world. But mm-hmm. what we can do, what we can do is definitely to, A, not make sure you're not wasting. Like, you're not living a wasteful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm mm-hmm. doing that, then mm-hmm. then I will be feeling actually guilty about what I'm doing. Because I know that this could have gone to somebody else or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then at the mm-hmm. same time, you know that there's a lot of waste coming from corporates as well. Like, even way more than you could imagine. Um and then, at, mm, you know, mm, mm. when you're already doing that, if there's anything you can do to help people, um, do help them. But, you know, I think we should all just live our life as, you know, to the to best of our abilities. I'm going to say that sentence again because my stomach was growling. Um, <laughs> and I heard it. Um, you know, I think we should just on top of doing just living a reasonable lifestyle. Don't be so wasteful and don't mm. do things mm-hmm. that are hurting the environment when you know it's hurting the environment and there's something you can do. And on top of that, if you could help anybody else, just, you know, go ahead and, and, and do that and make sure that there's anything that is from an individual. It, it's not a huge, it's not going to bring like immediate huge impact or change, mm-hmm. but at least you do that and you live your day. And no, I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm not saying like, stop living or like, you know, stop using Twitter, Jason. But I, what I am saying <laughs> is that, um, people, you know, I think people get crisis fatigue, you know, like they get tired yeah, of hearing yeah, about how terrible absolutely. things can be for some people around the world. But I think one of the things that we should be doing maybe is being a, just a little aware, like of the kinds of crisis there are and i know that people get tired of that but like i'm not saying you know don't enjoy your life and go to the movies i'm going to (laughs) but i also think and i don't think everyone needs to be a hero and like go and dig wells and you know somewhere Mm. but like i do think that we need to at least know you know that things are progressing in one direction or another people should be aware so uh, adding to that i've got some more data (laughs) this is from the united nations university Institute for Water, Environment, and Health, 2017. I know it's a little bit old, but I don't think water problems just go away overnight. So I think this is relevant enough. Yeah. And I'm going to throw some depressing statistics ooh, ooh. At, at everyone. Uh, firstly, uh, floods. So the opposite of what we're talking about, too much water. 112 million people were affected by floods uh, from 2005 to 2015. And this is the, the one that really shocked me. And this is why mm. I brought it up. 1.8 billion people now use a source of drinking water contaminated by feces. <laughs> that is astoundingly bad. Like, wow. You know, you would think, oh, millions. Oh but no, we're talking about billion, 1.8 billion people. And according to projections, there will be a water demand and water availability problem of 40% of the global population by 2030. So again, I think it's not always about desalination or some high tech new thing that's going to come out again. It's like in the United States, I think we're looking at the same kind of problem. It's about distribution of water. So like what we need is, you know, 
One of the things that China is really good at is uh, global uh, distribution, you know, network logistics, supply. So what United States is maybe not doing well, and it's within its own borders. I'm hoping that, you know, China's Belt and Road Initiative, which is better uh, moving supplies around the world than at any time in, in, in human history, maybe this is something that we could look out for and hope that China's going to help the world with because China does a lot of like humanitarian uh, development around the world that is already helping millions and millions and millions of people in different countries. So I, I have some hope that we can come together as a global community and work together to rectify some of these problems because before they get much, much worse. I actually, um, they're, they're a little different uh, habits of using water that mm, I observed mm, mm. when I went to the United States to live. I felt like, because this is not bragging, it's just, it's just, it's just reality. China mm, is a mm. country with 5,000 years of history. So mm. there's a lot of historical observation of how water works, like that the, the South is always kind of like with uh, floods during flood season and mm. the North really needs water. Um, if it's dry, then it affects how much food is going to come out of those farmlands mm-hmm. that's, that's feeding the people. People are used to it. And then people had to survive back then without any assistance of modern technology yeah. or any, you know, government uh, measures where they could just bring water from the south to the north, which sounds so easy. But it's not like you, you're carrying a jar of water from like Wuhan up to, to Beijing. It's like <laughs> we're basically moving rivers. Um so people kind of had this, you know, crisis awareness for water always. Like mm, mm. when I was younger, and of course we were, you know, like back in the like late 80s, early 90s, um, when I think before I was like two or three, the the bathroom in my apartment, in our in my parents' apartment, it was still the squat toilet. It's not mm-hmm. the sitting toilet. And I remember well, that we could do a whole episode on that. About toilets. <laughs> <laughs> the squat yes. toilet. But go on, go on. Yes. And then I was um I remember I have the memory of us like flushing the flushing the toilet with water that we used to like wash clothes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we did mm-hmm. we did all of that. And then I remember um in in the north where water is again of great scarcity, people didn't have the luxury uh, in the early nineties to have shower at everybody's home. Mm, so public mm, bathhouse was a thing back then. That's why a mm, lot of people, mm. a lot of people from the South, not even just like foreign countries, a lot of people from the South are not used to it, but it's, it's a survival mode that people <laughs> had to just succumb to because they didn't have enough water to, to just do whenever I want to take a shower. I'll take a shower. You know, we'll have, we'll, mm, we'll, mm. we'll put the water as like a central resource for people to, use when it's absolutely necessary and of course it's changed now everybody has shower or bath in their apartments and i think that's definitely partially um because of the great uh south to north water diversion projects mm-hmm. you know helped people but you know the actually whole- i think you you stepped in the right direction that's kind of the direction i was going to go so like i think Americans have their own idea about how to conserve water and i think they're global ideas so they're like when you're brushing your teeth, turn the water off. Uh, or if you're taking a shower, try to take a shorter shower. Or take showers instead of baths. Or don't wash your car. Uh, for So if, you, if you're used to washing your car once a week, try to wash your car every two weeks. So yeah. whatever it is, 
extend out, you know, if you, so for some people in the United States, one of the things that they're doing now is don't have grass, like a grass yard. Oh, yes. Like if, if you live in a drought ridden area, put bark down and like rocks and rock features and cactuses and stuff like that that use way less uh, water because you're just pouring water under the ground. And they, actually, there's a debate about that. You know, I want to bring it up because I know some of our listeners are, are going to be like, oh, no, Jason, you didn't. So <laughs> the, some people say the, the, the grass is actually good for the environment because it uh, keeps the water and holds the water in the soil and like contributes to better underground water systems. So I just want to put that out there. I'm, I'm not coming down on one side or the other. I'm not a scientist, mm. but you know, I was wondering, Oh, actually I want to add one more thing before I ask a question. Yes. Recycling. Good. Definitely good. <laughs> but what people don't realize is that recycling is actually very water intensive. And in, in order to process all of that plastic or metal or whatever it is, a lot of water is actually used for that. Recycle good. Please recycle. But also, you know, what's better than recycling? Reducing, which means not using stuff you don't need in the first place. Okay. But I wanted to ask you, are there any special ways that Chinese folks like conserve water that maybe the rest of the world isn't as familiar with? Or like, how do Chinese people look at water saving or saving water, conserving water? What are some of the cultural attitudes that maybe are more unique to China? I, I think this is, uh, you know, after the pandemic, this is something that's going to come back to young people's lives in China that we didn't agree with before. My, our parents' mm. generation always had most of us, uh, at least for people in the North, we've always had like a bucket or something um, in, mm. in our home. Like I remember my parents, Yes, my wife, does right. That. See, like they, we just, they just, <laughs> my parents always had something like we used to have, um, we used to have this giant, I don't even know what to call it. It's not a jar is way bigger than a jar and it's ceramic mm. almost. And it's ceramic. And mm. when there is water, they would fill up the jar, not the jar, the giant bucket. They will fill it up with water that they get from the tap just in case there's going to be water stoppage for whatever reason that we always have water stored in our in our home and this again this was my memory before I went to like primary school I think after I started maybe after I was 10 we we didn't have that anymore we moved and we didn't have that kind of ancient um water jug thing anymore in our apartment but in mm. like rural areas in China where they do have some rural areas um, I think most rural areas have uh, like the water system running, sending water to their household. But my um, my uncle, they're still using, you know, the valve thing to get water from underground and they have to do that every day to store it. Of course, they put a little tap, but it's water coming from directly underground. It's not from the water system. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's yeah. there's always that. And of course, they have like fresh water, bottled water that they want to drink just directly from. But they always store water we've always had you know things that like some sort of container that has uh, maybe like a day or two or three day worth of water that we need to use stored in mm. our places but when, when we the, when we grew up we never had to really worry about that that much like for me people that are younger than me I, they probably have never seen that giant water container that i'm talking about so we just grew up knowing that oh we could just you know take water from the tap and, and and boil it and drink it or just buy bottled water mm. and that's what we do now and we don't feel we don't think it's necessary to stock up on water but you never really you never really know our parents our parents generation knew better i think you know this is a little bit different than my wife's use because uh she has a a large bucket it's like a super large bucket i don't know how many gallons it is but it's it's not insignificant and uh she uses it to collect water from like 
the shower and stuff. And then she pours it in the back of the toilet and does other stuff like that. So she reuses it. Ah. So I thought that's what you were going to say. So I was actually surprised when your answer turned out different than what I was expecting. You know what? What she's doing is a lot more. What's the word? It's a lot more of a conscious move to save water. It's not like, <laughs> that's not Chinese culture. So, so good for her. No, I think, I think, I think people do that. It's just, I've never done it because I'm a spoiled child, <laughs> but I think that's, I know that people, I know people who do that. I just didn't think to put that water into the, the tank and the, and the, and the toilet, the, you know, toilet mm. water tank. I want to really briefly, uh, you know, I want to come back around to this. I think this is the what I want to talk about in you know, Chinese ideas of water, because I think a lot of our listeners listen to us to get, you know, the bridge insights that come from talking with our Chinese uh, host. Um, but I wanted to talk about capturing water in America really quickly. And mm. this is something I think maybe people outside the United States. Well, you tell me, you tell me what you think. In California, ca- capturing rainwater fine as you would imagine it would be but did you know in colorado Uh if you try to capture the rainwater to harness it into like a a container to use for gardening or whatever that's illegal what you can't if you capture water you can get fined for stealing the state's water what it needs to fall (laughs) off of the roof onto the ground and be absorbed by the ground to go back into the water under the ground you can't just capture it for your own selfish use i am so compelled to just look this up because i don't <laughs> want to believe this is true this is okay you can look it up healthway.com uh content who owns the rain and then i'm going to talk about some other states too wow this is oregon i know i know i know this is oregon where it's a little better than colorado or in oregon you can capture the water if it rolls off of your rooftop but once it touches the ground it's the state's so you can't try to extract the water from the soil in any way whatsoever, oh or that God. is illegal. The, the water belongs to the government, not you. I just, I just want to, I just want to <laughs> stop here for like a quick second and point, ahead, yes. and point this out. Listen to this piece of law that listen to the classification of what parts of the water or what part of the rainfall process mm. could be belong to you or what could be belonging mm-hmm. to the government. And just think about the process of making this piece of legislation as a government <laughs> worker. Can you imagine I go into the government office and sit there and I'm like, today, Jason, we're going to talk about when the rain falls from the sky. When do we decide this rain belongs to the state? <laughs> and you come to this piece of law and you're like, this is what we're going to. Oh, my God. And this is I'm going to say the very classic American line. This is where tax mo- taxpayers money goes. <laughs> Protecting the water from would be felons. Oh, my God. And steal it for their selfish gardening. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. That's ridiculous. I know it is ridiculous. So there was, I remember this came up years and years ago and I'm being shocked by it. And there was like some guy in Colorado, he had this big blue barrel and he had like his gutters fashioned in such a way that the water would collect in this barrel. And I was thought, wow, that's very smart. And this guy apparently paid some outlandish fine and was suing the state or something. And I, I was just like, what? 
Are you talking? Like it fell out of the sky and now it belongs to the state. This is ludicrous. Like, like, I don't, I don't want to sound like, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm just criticizing it. So I'm going to try to tackle it from like, you know, a logical perspective. Mm. Like I understand the intention of rules or regulations like this probably comes from the fact that there's drought or there's a great need of water Mm. for the state. But like I said earlier, usually drought happens because it's a it's a it's a climate issue. Mm-hmm. It's it's the climate condition of that region that results in in, in drought, or it's an overwatering of whatever. When there's a huge you know like overuse of water for mm-hmm. whatever purposes, growing almonds, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. which is huge corporate acts and uh, government acts. And so to solve climate issues and government acts or or corporate acts to correct, uh, you know, corporate or government Mm, acts, mm, you decide mm. to target on individuals. How does that? um, I was also thinking like, okay, say this guy, I don't remember, I don't know his name, who was collecting water in this one case where he's putting it in the barrel and he's using it for gardening. Okay, so this guy's pouring it on his vegetables. Okay, so. It is going back into the ground, except for what's in the carrot. So that carrot, the, the the water that is embedded in that carrot is theft. But like all the rest of the water is still going back into the ground anyway. He's just using <laughs> it carefully, right? Like that's. I felt like <laughs> the only way you could accuse a guy of stealing natural rainfall from the state of using it as like water resources for the guy to drink up everything that he captures from the bucket <laughs> mine. and not and not expel it from its from his system <laughs> if he holds it in his body forever sure arrest him it, okay okay another thing tap water i want to talk a little bit about tap water in the united states obviously we can't tackle it globally 100 and 200 countries and like it's just too much data for us to go to in an hour show but in the united states there are some tap water issues that we I mentioned earlier the um, fracking and you you were like ah uh-huh, ah uh-huh. everyone's seen the the tap water that can catch fire Everyone, yeah. that's globally that's famous crazy. that is the united states the united states is now known for flammable tap water like and like there are a lot of companies out there trying to hide this or downplay it or pretend it's not real but everyone knows that it is a real thing not in a lot of places that we're not talking about most americans but you know there are problems with a lot of americans water it's yeah. not all flammable but some of it has like lead or other things and that's what hopefully some of this money that congress just passed uh, i guess a year ago is going to go to fixing some of this so that people can have uh, access to clean water. You know, when I was a kid, we were just told open the faucet and drink it, you know? Yeah. So my question is this about China, you know, do people in China need to filter their tap water? Yes or no. Or is it just like, depends on the province or like depends on where it's coming from the river. Yeah. What do you guys do to drink water without having to buy bottled water all the time? One of the biggest culture shocks for Chinese people when they go to the United States is that you drink tap water. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess it depends on where you are right i mean yeah. uh, not in well, michigan <laughs> before before they knew what was going on i'm sure they were doing that as well because mm-hmm. people just and, and you see it in american movies as well people just just run to the tap and and, and get a glass mm. from it and drink and it's so hard for chinese people to think about it because when china started to have the tap water system to go into households it's huge project and it's impossible to give everyone absolutely 100 you know filtered clean water also there were um building reservoir in each city so that you could have mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. water just ready to use instead of having pipe problems if you're in you know compared to 
transferring water from somewhere of great distance. So there's a lot of, um, you know, disinfecting um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. even like bleaching or whatever process they have to go through. Mm. And so the government was just like, you know what? I We don't want you to drink from straight from the tap. And Chinese people, we're, we're not, we're infamous for drinking hot water you know so we always yeah we're always we would what my parents would do when i was a kid was to get tap water and boil it and then leave it out to so that it cools off so we can have like just room temperature a slightly cooler water to drink in the summer really? yeah it doesn't sound very chinese i thought you guys all had to have like <laughs> scolding hot water <laughs> yeah and cook ourselves no um it's um it's it's kind of just um, at this point, it's just kind of a, a habit for Chinese people to not drink straight from the tap, Mm-mm-mm. even though like, for, for example, my parents installed the water filter system, which is very expensive. I think it's like 3000 kwai, so it's like, you know, $400 or something um, to filter out water that is advertised to be drinkable. I honestly, mm. I would just drink from that. My parents wouldn't. It's just in their, in their, it's, it's in their habit. It's in their mm. knowledge mm. system of what this world is. They're like, we're not going to drink from it, but it does make us feel better to cook, for example, noodles or make soup or any kind of water that we're going to consume directly as part of the cooking process mm-hmm. to be from, to be coming from that water. The, the the water filter mm. so we don't really drink tap water here i mean maybe at some point it's good enough for people to drink but that habit is going to be mm-hmm. very hard to change this is a global issue obviously i keep mentioning that it's very complicated i was wondering are there environmental issues that are, are more because it seems like water isn't a huge issue in china are there other environmental issues that are very pressing in the minds of folks over here yeah water is water is kind of like the basic needs of human beings so mm-hmm. we rarely hear anything about that but we do know that the the pressure about you know uh trash barrels like you know mm-hmm. uh or what's the term for that you know trash or, or garbage landfills 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 thank you you know we do have and it's, it's a massive country cities have like... we talked about fungi <laughs> recently you know. how can i forget that? that that still gives me hope that that's going to be able to eat all of these in the future just devour up a lot of the the, the waste hopefully you know maybe this is the technology that we could use that to right? yeah the techno i say it's a fungus mushrooms <laughs> and for anyone who's kind of, you know, cringing at the idea of like eating fungi that used to dissolve or absorb, absorb trash. I don't want to eat those. I'm not eating. It'll be like a filter. So you throw your trash in there. The fungus eats it. The fungus just dies and becomes soil. We're not going to have to eat that yeah. stuff. <laughs> if you want to eat it, you can eat it. Go for it. I think <laughs> what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say was we're, we're already putting so much, you know, trash um, and harmful stuff in our body now without without even knowing you know like you you said you mentioned you mentioned we're eating plastics because we're eating these we are yeah there's plastic in our blood now apparently yeah some of the latest science eh, uh well you know i guess i'm plastic man now One of the things I do is I go on these, I go web on websites that like, and I look at 
camping equipment and I salivate over it mentally, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, that's a cool tent. I wish I had that tent or, oh, those are cool shoes. I wish I had those shoes. You know, there's a there's a technology and this is a technology. It's called Life Straw. And this is a company. So I am. I guess I just came out saying I like them. Um, They make these different kinds of straws that are like big. They're not like a little straw. And they they you put them into like dirty water. And they have different gauges for different kinds of dirty water. And you can just drink through this straw. And it's good for like, you know, hundreds of, of drinks or something. So you can you, so you can put it in water that is like filled with bacteria that would be bad for you. Or you can put it in water that is, you know, has mm-hmm. certain kinds of chemicals in it or metals in it. And as you drink it, it those metals or those those bacteria will be filtered out. And one thing that you do, so I always thought that it was really interesting, you know, it's the kind of uh, fantasy post-apocalyptic technology you would want in your backpack is, was one of these life straws. But um, one of the things that life straw does when you buy their product is they ship clean water or they build wells and things and places around the world. Now, I just wanted to mention that. Wow. Because- I just, I just looked it up because it, I mean, mm, I wanted mm. to see, and there's, um, I don't know if this is the official advertisement, but I do want to share what it looks like to our listeners. So there's a picture of someone taking the life straw, which makes, which looks like a, you know, a much thicker pen that you would use and you would, you know, suck from the tip, the, you know, the thinner end of life straw and you just put the other end in the water and mm. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's wild water as well as wild water, buddy. I'm like, wow. If that's, I I would love to trust in technology. I would probably get <laughs> Jason to drink it first, and I'll observe him for a day, and then I'll just go ahead and drink from. <laughs> Is Jason sick? Jason, how do you feel? I feel fine. Why you ask again? <laughs> I'm because I'm thirsty. Yes, Jason. I want to know that it's okay for me <laughs> to use this. I need a testimonial for this technology, but it does look really cool. You know, I'm not a huge fan of uh, billionaires trying to save the world for us. I think that is not the direction we should go. It should be like led by uh, responsible governments. Mm. Uh, but but um, Bill Gates is investing in technologies that are going meant to filter water that they can be deployed in small batches for villages around the world. And one of the technologies he is investing in is a system where you can a villager can go into a um toiletry a toilet system and uh you know do their business whatever kind of business that is Mm -hmm. and it goes through a a a biological filtration system where there's different kinds of plants and stuff and when it comes out and and this already works in small you know um tests what are they called uh prototypes yeah where then they can drink the water on the other end that comes out and bill gates did this he did this on 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 tv where he drank some of the water that came out of one of these filtration systems and uh so you know, if it's good enough for one of the richest people in the world, it's, it's good enough for, you know, anyone, I guess. And so, that you know, these kinds of technologies where we can recycle existing potable water yeah. through some kind of system, maybe this this can alleviate some of the problems that humanity is facing in some of the places where, uh, you know, you can't just pump it out of the ground. So basically we're making Doom reality. Doom? Doom? Oh, Doom of oh, the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember the suits yeah, the, where the, you sweat or any 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 water that comes out of your body is going to go through that whole system and uh still suits yeah whatever yeah. they're called and then 
you could drink <laughs> and you and you drink from it and that's a yeah. you know an infinite closed loop of water supply yeah, yeah i guess so so you know there's hope there's all kind you know i i didn't i said we couldn't tech our way out we can't you know it, it, we do need to conserve the environment because you can't just drink your own pee forever you have to have clean water coming into the system to produce food and all these other things uh, i'm always reminded of the guy from the big short you know because he after the big short he made all that money the guy who thought of came up with the idea mm. originally um he's investing in water mm. like he he's buying farmland that has water on the land and you know if someone that economically savvy is buying up land with water on it we should be concerned about like the future <laughs> Well, you know, it's always a great pleasure talking with you, Alex, and I hope that our fans will join us for our next episode. Enjoy and save your water, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.